Sunday, Marie. Happy Super Bowl Sunday during a pandemic, Diane. <laughs> uh, this is a this is a uh, this is a first a pandemic Super Bowl. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> yes, marking time that way. That way, when people listen to this podcast, they will say, "Oh yeah." Oh, wow, yes. That was one of David's suggestions to do that. Oh, David, thank you. That was um, uh, the last few months have been so many kind of time standstill moments. So this is the first Super, so Super Bowl pandemic, stay home, don't go to a Super Bowl party uh, event, huh? Okay. Well, people probably still went, but I don't think they recommend it. Right. And they're mm-hmm. they're, they're getting ready to go, basically. Yes, we're talking. See, I don't even. I know that Tampa is the Tampa Bay playing. I don't. I haven't keep up. I haven't kept up with sports because um, I just haven't kept up with it. You know, I think we had more pressing issues in this country in the world in the last twelve months, eleven months. So I don't even know who's playing, but I think it's. I know it's in Tampa. And, and, you know, that was one of the reasons why I thought of this topic of talking about time. It's Mm -hmm. because, you know, in 20s and my 30s, that was really important to know who was playing and know which party I was going to. And, Mm -hmm. you know, and people are, I think people are still doing that. You know, so that's why I wanted to kind of talk about time and how people spend time and how we spend our time. Mm-hmm. Well, I, I had some funny. I was talking to a friend of mine last night, and I, I'm on Instagram as well as Facebook. I'm not on TikTok, but I enjoy uh, social media. Uh, and this woman, she has a ministry called the Nap Ministry. And so the bishop spoke last night, and she said, lay your ass down. been your time recuperating rejuvenating that's what she she said she said a nap a nap is uh it's a it's reparations and rejuvenations and and um it's, it's reparations for your body and your spirit and so that's a good time to spend you know i was telling a friend of mine that i think i was might have to join her a church or you know you know, get baptized, because I think yesterday, I took like two or three naps, and I, I woke up from nap and took another nap. I was thinking, oh, I think I could be a member. <laughs> <laughs> then I was thinking, wait a minute, am I getting depressed, or I'm just tired? Because, you know, I've been working on a lot of things, and using a lot of my, stretching my mind, which I enjoy. I, t- I must. I tell. I, I tell myself I must enjoy a project because I, when I started working on them, I don't stop until I kind of finish or can't take no more. So, um, so I think I was exhausted, but I feel much better today. I got three naps in yesterday. <laughs> is that is that after you heard her say that, and you were just more aware of that of the need for napping? Oh no, I think that um, I used to not be able to nap. I used to not be able to nap. Um, and I think it has to do with menopause. But now that I've passed menopause, I can actually take naps. And also, too, I've gotten to the age, which is scary, but exciting. But it's also now I understand is that sometimes I can be sitting somewhere, like in the living room or somewhere, and I actually fall asleep. And oh, wow. I, remember, I remember people doing that. And I was thinking, oh, you know, my, your parents doing that. But I can do that, too, which I used to not be able to do. And uh, for years that I would make, you know, menopause and um, just life, I couldn't just go to sleep. It had to be kind of intentional. I had to think about it. Do you remember that time when you and Sharon came to my house in Charlotte and we were sitting at the kitchen table and I don't know, we were just talking in general and I stopped and said, is there something that happens when you turn 50? Because I hadn't turned 50 then. Because you guys were talking about medicine and aches and pains. Do you remember that? I mean, I was just so struck by it. Like, wow, this is a different conversation than I remember having with Diane and Sharon. Do you? I, it was, it, I remember it I very vividly. I don't, I don't remember it. I don't remember because uh, I don't remember it. 
Okay. This was it was after your accident. And, oh, yeah, um, I remember. I, I remember coming to your house, and I remember that I really couldn't go. You and Sharon were walking when you got there, and I couldn't go because it was. We took the mega bus there, and I. And it's a seven-hour ride on the mega bus, and and Sharon, I took the mega bus, and I. And this is the mistake I made. Every time we had a, a stop, because it stops three, two or three times, and I didn't get off. I was either looking at my phone or reading a book. And Sharon said, "Oh, Diane, don't worry about it. I'll get whatever you want. Just tell me." And so by the time I got to your place, I couldn't walk because, you know, my injuries, I should have been getting up exercising and moving my leg. And I was in so much pain. And so um, I think that's why we were talking about pain. But I, I kind of cost. Now when I travel, I always pump my ankles or I get up or I stand up or, um, you know, I'll just keep moving because I can't sit still like that. It's very dangerous for what, I'm, what I've gone through. Okay, so, makes sense. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, I think that I never thought about I'll be sitting somewhere and actually fall asleep. <laughs> in your in your house, though, when you're you're home. Yeah, the, yeah, when I'm home. Yes. One time I did it at a church. I went to one of my friends' churches, and it was very sedate and very calm in there, and and it was very monotone. And I remember actually going to sleep, and I was thinking, oh, my goodness, thank God I'm sitting in the back. (laughs) (laughs) So time, you know, time, you know, you think, in my mind, I'm 25, but on the outside, I'm 65. (laughs) In my physical self, I'm 65, but in my spirit, I'm still 25. Um, I'm still excited about, you know, what's next. You know, when I think about time, I think about somewhere in somewhere, and I don't know when it was, where I realized that time was the great equalizer, where everybody Mm. only had 24 hours. And I remember it because I was watching something with Michael Jackson, and I was just looking at him thinking, well, he only has 24 hours, too. And look at all he's Mm -hmm. doing. And, you know, I still keep that in my mind that I have 24 hours. And you know what? That may be all I have. So spend this 24 hours, you know, judiciously. So I, you know, do something I like to do, help you do something, move forward. I'm always trying to move forward. But that, I mean, that's the big thing for me is that's the great equalizer. That would, that would be the thing I want to communicate to future generations is don't waste your time. So if you don't want to go to the Super Bowl party, don't go to the Super Bowl party just because everybody else is going. If it's a waste of your time, like it was a waste of my time all those years, but I did it because it was the thing I was quote unquote supposed to do. Mm-hmm. Well, um, you know, I know that you're, you're, we are real cousins, our mothers are sisters, and I know that we like quotes and words. So I went on Google and looked up time quotes, mm-hmm. quotes about time. And so, okay. <laughs> and so I'm looking at them now. So uh, Steve Jobs said kind of what you're saying. Your time is limited, so don't waste it living someone else's life. That's right. And that's and so I was like, okay, yes. And I think that we don't teach people about, oh, I'll tell you a great story about time. When I was young, 25, 24, 25, um, this lady, I was a member of this church in Columbia, Maryland, and this lady, uh, her children might be, her daughter might be listening, Ruth Bland is the lady's name. She asked me to pick her up. She asked, I was in the choir, and every Wednesday we had choir, it's Tuesday, Wednesday or Tuesday, we had choir practice, a small little church. And so she asked me to pick her up and take her to the choir. I said, okay. Because she said, the reason I need you to pick me up, because I don't see that well at night in the dark anymore, but I still want to go to choir practice. So can you pick me up? So I said, fine, no problem. You know, I was young, 25. I didn't know what she was talking about. And so uh, not seeing well in the night. And so um, when I picked her up, she one time she said, Diane, so how are you taking care of your life? I said, so what do you mean? So she said that, so how are you taking care of your life? Like she said, it's going to come the time in your life when you put on your short pants and you walk outside and men won't look at you. So I was thinking, what is she talking about? And then she said, I'm telling you this because you need to learn to take care of your life because one day you're young now. She said, how old are you? I said, I was 24, 25 years old. She said, one day you'll look up 
and the time will go so quickly, it's going to be Christmas or your birthday. And guess what? Now I know. Next, We just had Christmas in a few months, a few weeks. I'll be 65. And so she said, before you know it, every time you look up, it's going to be Christmas or your birthday. So how are you taking care of your life? Did you answer? Great. I didn't. I didn't know what she was talking about, Marie. I really didn't until now. I, you know, she's passed on. She just passed a few years ago. I remember her telling me that, like before, every time you look up, the, go, the time is going to go so quickly. It's going to be Christmas or your birthday. And she was probably like forty-five, and I was twenty-five. Hmm. And it does pass quickly. It goes so quickly because you was just you was just eleven, and I was a freshman at Hampton. So you know, right. <laughs> <laughs> you was running around getting your leg broken, you know, a little red hair, and you know, a little feisty self. And I was trying to get my education down at the, the institute, Hampton Institute, now University. Mm. So it went that quickly. It went that quickly. And even this year, you know, this year of pan- pandemonium and pandemic and pain and craziness, it went, it went very quickly. It's like, like one big, gigantic groundhog day. <laughs> exactly. And I think that, I mean, that really is impacting people a lot um, because it is blending together. Days are blending together. Weeks are blending together, right? So I think that's why it's probably important. That's why it's probably important for people to do something on Super Bowl Sunday so they can make a marker. You know, they still want the markers. They still want that marker of Valentine's Day, you know, spring. You know, I think about that and I thought about that. um, Like I put this, I put this flag out in front of the house every so often, like, you know, you know, one of those flags that flies like a little flag. So the little flag that I just removed was Happy New Year's. And I put up one that says something about, you know, uh, I think spring is coming or something along those lines. So it's like I thought about that. Like these are markers. People are marking time. So Super Bowl Sunday marks time for people. What were you doing on Super Bowl Sunday during the first pandemic? You know. Just, or just think that we were we were more um, whole and more fuller than a, a Super Bowl. That we used to mark time by harvest, you know, planting crops and harvesting crops and storing food for the winter and you know canning food. And now we mm-hmm. <laughs> we we. It's <laughs> a good point, Diane. <laughs> now we mark time by something that some people in some countries don't even know. I'm, well, I'm sure the Super Bowl is so, you know, shown all over the world, but it doesn't mean anything if you're living in, you know, Kyrgyzstan or something, you know, or, you know, a small village in Zimbabwe. You know, what would that mean? And so now we mark time, not even by a child's birth, you know, like a birth was a big thing, or a, a wedding anniversary, or the death of a loved one. But in this country, we are so trivial and trite and so shallow. You know? mm-hmm. <laughs> but you know, you may have you may have said something really profound and maybe even prophetic, because maybe we will go back to marking time by the crops and canning wow. food and you know doing those survival type things. Maybe that's. I mean, maybe this time is you should be preparing to do that. So if you have to mark time in going backwards, that's what that's what you know how to do. That may be prophetic. Amen. Wow. And the reason I think I said that because I'm, uh, you know, um, I, I I I feel good about it, even though I, I I missed going to brunch and I missed going to chapel and I missed talking to people face to face. And I miss uh, not having, I, I miss not 
going outside and have to wear that mask, I have to worry about my glasses fogging up and trying to think and walk and breathe and <laughs> glasses fogging up at the same time. <laughs> I miss that freedom of being mask free. And, and breathing, you're like kind of not thinking how I'm going to breathe, but just breathe and enjoy this thing. But um, but um, mm. I think that that I, I'm working on. I've been very productive in this time. Thank you, God. I'm not, I'm I, I'm just been very productive. Well, I've gotten a few contracts. I've met all kinds of people. I I'm on Zoom with. I'm even working with a man in Africa that I met through a young man that I was met a couple of years ago at a conference, and him and I kept in touch. And he told me he was moving to Africa, and I said, okay. And he called me and helped him with a, with a proposal. I did that. And he said, well, you need to meet this guy. And I met this guy. He said, what else can you do? And, you know, I don't have a 50 million job, so I can do almost anything if I put my mind to it. It's on the go- It's on the Internet. <laughs> <laughs> and so um, – I'm helping him um, sell raw materials to make different products, um, you know, and um, he's in Ghana. And so he's talking to me about, um, you know, the things he wants me to sell, all kinds of oils, pumpkin oil, avocado oil, you know, all kinds of stuff, uh, you know, but not just like a little bit, you know, like a lot to make if you were a baker or if you were a produce hair products, you know, not just one liters, but, you know, uh, kilos and um, tons of the stuff. That's what he wants me to help him sell and move. So, you know, I enjoy talking to him and helping him do whatever he do. But one of the things he talked to me about one day, he said, so, Diane, you know, one thing I want you to understand that Ghana is, I think the word was production. He said something that it didn't really resonate with me. He said, so, if you told me you need five kilos or whatever of a product, there's farmers here. It's people. It's, it's Africa. It's a warm climate. It grows in the groves of it, and so we could go harvest it, process it, and have it to the sh- the ship in three or four days. And I was thinking, wow, isn't that abundance? And then I started researching. Fifty-seven or forty-seven percent of the country's uh, G G G P G GDP? Gross national product. GDP. Yeah, GDP. Yeah, it's, the, it's, it's agriculture. And so they're growing, they grow the cocoa for the world. They grow the uh, palm oil for the world. And I was thinking, wow, so to me that's for us, you know, we get our stuff from Walmart, Target, Amazon. <laughs> And that's how we think of getting products. We don't think of actually growing the natural ingredients and using them. But we we used to, you know, before we became, before we craved fish sticks and TV dinners, you know. Right. (laughs) You know, we didn't crave that stuff before. They made us crave buying everything. You know, our culture made us crave it. And so that's how I think we lost touch with time, uh, this one author says, the time is free, but it's priceless. Mm-hmm. You can't own it, but you can use it. You can't keep it, but you can spend it. Once you lose it, you can never get it back. Oh, that's true. I thought of a couple things as you were talking. Um, I guess the first thing was you talked about, you know, you wanted to go back to a time when you could go outside and breathe freely. You didn't have to breathe through a mask, right? And and, and figure out how you're going to breathe. So just think about that. Think about before COVID, you could breathe freely. During COVID, you are breathing through a mask, Everybody's hoping we go back to breathing freely, but what if we go the other direction of not being able to breathe? You, you see what I'm saying? So it's like, yes. So this could be a progression. So you may look back and say, "Oh, I wish for the time it was just I had to breathe through a mask." You know, now it is whatever that is. 
you never would have thought we would be breathing through a mask, but we are. So what is that next thing that could be if we don't go backwards? I don't know. But you see what I'm saying? You see what I'm saying? (laughs) So I thought about that when you said that. This may be a good time. Yeah, this may be a good time. That is only, you can breathe. It's through a mask, but you can breathe. But Buddha says the trouble is you think you have time. Right. Exactly. But we think we have time to get past this non mask days. Well we think so, we think we have time to see tomorrow. That's true. But it's the next moment. It's not even a tomorrow. You know, um I was I was at my uh, online Sunday school class and I was trying to tell them about my book that I'm presenting during Lent season and, and I and I always remember that I went to dinner one night and didn't come home. I left March first and I came back October the fourteenth. I was just going to dinner. Uh-huh. Wow. All that time that you spent in a in a in a place in a stage where you never would have thought you would have been. You never would have thought your body would have been like that. You never would have thought that would have happened. Wow. No. Then I also thought about Diane. Um, Go ahead, Diane. Go on. You can go on. Um, When you talked about, you know, you're working with the man in, in, in Guana and you're working with where he's, you know, large amounts of raw materials thought about a couple of things i thought about wow what year is this 2021 uh i thought about 1983 working this is what it reminded me of working with a man uh his name was yao alfonso in togo where mm-hmm. I don't know if you remember one of my very first quote unquote kind of real jobs. I was like 19, was working with a company called International Data Bank. It wasn't it wasn't a bank, but what they were trying to do was pre-internet. They mm-hmm. they had people, one of the ladies that worked there, she now works, she has her own company in DC. I think she's since sold it and has retired called Sibling International, where we were trying to uh, make the connection between buyers and sellers in places just like you're talking about in Africa where they had resources, but they couldn't get them to the states. But we were trying to do it through computers, through a database, international data bank, right? Through a database where mm-hmm. it spoke, you know, it, it talked to each other pre-internet. So they really were trying to create the internet really so i thought about that when you said that where he's still trying to figure out that connection right how to get those raw materials resources and get them in the hands of people who need them so i thought about as you were talking about that there's something about you doing that that's going to be very vital and very important going back to where we may be headed where we may be headed to planting cropping canning foods so there's something about you doing that right there that's going to help not only you but people that you know and love in the future wow well i remember i don't know if you remember this um it's doing barack obama when he was running the first time you came i was living in danville then and you came i don't know why you were down i think you just came out to visit us because that's when we went to see the butterfly museum i mean display at the thing i think you just came down to visit i remember us. You were saying that you were saying that um, you were working in a credit union at the time, and you said that to save your money, don't be fooled by this equity and all the values of the houses that been inflating. It's all fake, and that what you wanted to do is to go find some land and pay for a house in cash, and 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 go get this land so when when all this stuff collapsed that we would have land and we could work the land and grow our own food and grow your own chickens and you know whatever you do with chickens breed your own chickens and and so that's the future and so she said you said i'm going to look for a place in north carolina somewhere for this land and um and so she said that you said that was going to be the future and i was like oh 
05 or 07 or 08. I, can't mm-hmm. remember. I remember. I, I still believe that. Uh, but just like you, I believe part of that future too is you have to be mobile. So you have to have that mobile home to leave that land just in case you have to leave it for some reason, like floods or environment. So there's another little, little twist in this thing of time is you may not be able to just stay where, stay put where you are. Oh, I think so. I think that we got to, um, I think we have to learn to be mobile again and, you know, and not get sediment. So your future is created by what you do today. Just another thing about time. And one thing I was thinking about um, in time that sometimes when you're doing stuff, uh, especially go, even going to college or going to school or reading books, you know, at time like now, you don't know why you may be doing it when you're younger, but as you get, as I've aged, I realized, okay, that's what that was about. And sometimes you would never know what it's about, but now that I'm older and I'm like certain settings that I'm in, that's okay, God, now I got that. That's what that was about. Thank God I used that time to read and to know about that or to, to actually, one of the things that I've learned in my life, the one of the things I thank God for, that I got comfortable being dying. Mm-hmm. I took that time to figure me out, to just say, okay, that's your situation. It's not mine. I'm good with you, and I'm good with that, but that's not my issue right now. But, you know, I can hear you, but that's not my issue. And where I wasn't there when I was younger, but thank God I took the time to find out me. And, you know, um, Steve Jobs in his book somewhere he was writing about that, where he was writing about where you can't figure out your life really going forward, but you can, if you listen to yourself, you will understand how the dots connect when you look back. Because he was talking about how in college, when he was in college, he took a class about fonts, you know? And he's like, it was when it was new and who knew what it was, but he needed that when he developed the Apple computer and when he developed the phone, he needed to, you know, look at aesthetics. So you're right. It's like if you can tap into who you are and be truthfully honest with yourself, not follow the crowd, then doors that are opening for you, you walk through those doors and it makes sense as you look back on your life why you were doing what you did because it starts to all add up. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. This one, this is a quote. So believe me, time can fix your pain. Oh, who said that? <laughs> didn't say. Time can fix your pain. But, um, yeah. You know, I was listening this morning to, I know you listened to Owen Bean too with Krista Tippett. And she, they were talking about yeah. depression. And she had three guests on and they were talking about the times that they went through depressions. People that you wouldn't think would be going through it. You know, and you know, the dark night of the soul and what they learned from it and just where it was a time where you stepped outside of your life because you couldn't be in it. It was so dark, you know, you couldn't get up, you know. Um, so I think that's in your time heals all pains and you, it does, but there'll be more if you keep on living. <laughs> well, I just listened to an interview with uh, Cecily Tyson and she said um, that her mother, her mother didn't want her to be an actor. Mm-hmm. And she said, if you come one, she made her leave her house and all that stuff. And so she said that uh, when she had her first play at a y, y, uh, WC, MCA or WCA in New York, her mother came and she said her mother was talking through the whole thing. <laughs> she could hear her mother talking. But after the end, when she went out in the lobby to greet people, she said mother was out there greeting people like she was the um, the person. And, and she said that her mom, when her mom died, like her heart was broken, kind of. And she said the reason being because she, her and her mother had a strained relationship. But her mother, in that strained relationship, helped her to really be the person that she is and the actress that she was, you know, and she said, because 
you most people think you learn from mountaintop this is time reinterpreting what she said. She said most people think you learn from mountaintop experience. But she said I believe that you get the best part of you through crisis and strength and struggle and pain and suffering. Because if you overcome it, he's like, wow, okay, you, I must be doing something. You know, I'm bad. I'm good. I'm strong. <laughs> because I got through that. I'm strong. I got, it's, it's almost like exercising and building and breaking down and building up muscles. That I got through that. So I can, wow, I can get through anything. Or, or I can get through the next thing until you get up in it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Thinking, okay. Mm-hmm. That's true. And you're right about that. I mean, that is true. As you go through life, there are going to be ups and downs. And some of those, and I've learned is my learning because there was, feels like there were a lot of downs is when I was in and up, mm-hmm. not to go too high because I knew there was a down coming. So I would just try to make it even killed. And I've always kind of done that. Um, up until really recently where it's like, okay, yeah, there are going to be more downs, uh, but I need to try to reach high to live as high as I can because I haven't had enough highs. That's how I feel. You know, like, let me, I need more highs because I've always just did this even kill steady as she goes because, you know, you the higher you go, the lower that drop's going to be, Right. Well, I think that I was listening to you, and I was thinking that we, in this country, we need to be more celebratory, especially African Americans. We need to celebrate more. You know, we come from a celebratory people in Africa. They celebrate everything. And I think that we're, that's the way we survive. That's that's in our DNA. What, you know, even when... Um, this last administration, in my spirit, this is how I was living. I was waiting for the next shoe to drop. But I don't know if we should live that. I know, uh, what's her name? Uh, Adrian's on there talking about unspeakable joy. Mm -hmm. So if we're living that flat, not up, not down, just, you know, at ease at all times, how do we experience unspeakable joy? If we, you know, I think that I want to... I think that I want, I'm like you, let me, let me, let me smile more. Let me be happy more. Cause that's good. You know, I think the Bible's talked about it been good medicine. Laughter is medicine for the soul or something. Laughter is good medicine. So I suppose joy, joy must be a IG, you know, like, <laughs> oh, so yeah. Yes. And also too, I think that, we got to create our own joy and our own happiness, whatever happens. You know, what's, you know, the kids say, what's good about it? You know, what's good with you? It's all good. <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> you know, I, I, I remember when uh, Charles, my nephew, was over here one day with his daughter. She's about three or four years old, and he was ordering some food. He was looking at a menu. Asian Chinese restaurant menu. So he said, I'm dying. What do you want? And I think I really don't want anything. I could just pick something. So I said, he said, what do you want? I said, I'm good. And so he said, you sure? I said, yeah, I'm good. And so he asked his daughter, she was three or four years old at the time. He said, Amaya, what you want? And she said, I'm like, I'm dying. I'm good. And I said, Amaya, he's actually doing one food. Auntie, I'm good. <laughs> we want to be good. Then we want to be good. Yeah, yeah. we're good. Yes, yeah. so we want to be happy, full of joy, because um, the joy of the Lord is my strength. And I think that we are not taught about being joyful. You know, we are not taught about the mountaintops experiences. That we have so many. I know uh, one time Dallas was one of our, our cousins. She was on there. She said when she finished her master's in math education, she said, I think one of her professors or her advisor or dean was saying, whoever told her, you know, you like you just go for one thing and don't celebrate the next thing. What you're doing is very monumental. Why aren't you celebrating? And she said, you know, she she never really learned to do that. She just went to the next next mountain to try to 
you know, don't even enjoy the, I think you should enjoy the valleys and the mountains. <laughs> yes. Why can't we enjoy the valleys and the mountains? Because for many of us, those valleys are really low and really dark and really dank. And you don't even know when you're going to come up out of it, usually. And I think you learn in time that you will yeah. as you keep living. You know that you've been, you, you know, on this roller coaster ride, so you know that you will. But certainly when you're young, you don't know, you don't, you don't know that as much. You don't know. You know, I think about, I think about, you said unspeakable joy. I think about how, you know, I could find so much joy in doing art and, you know, painting my wood, doing my pyrography. Oh, I could lose all time. It was just, it was, a, it, you, I was in the flow. But that same, if you put that same level of joy when I was, when I was doing it in the shop and, you know, having you know to pay a lot of bills that same activity was no longer joyful you know <laughs> so it's like you know you you just have to kind of realize that too that you know, you could find things that bring you joy but also realize that when those same things that you're doing don't bring you joy you know you have to stop and reflect and think well what's going on here you know, do I need to make a change, right? So I am looking so forward to art bringing me joy again, where I don't have the pressures of a business and a shop, but just doing the art, right? Just the pleasure of doing the art. So I'm looking forward to that. I think that um, since you said that, I think that um, one of the, we we live in a capitalistic country, and you know, and most people fight, you know, push back against capitalism, not a capitalist. But capitalism is in our DNA, and um, and I I was I'm trying to say this the best way I can, but I was listening to this preacher who I used to go see out in L.A. and he's married now, black preacher, and this and they were talking uh, on the Zoom. I was watching, and he actually started crying, and. He said that the church, this is my interpretation why he was crying, has monetized everything, even your blessings, or, you know, you have to sow a seed to get a blessing. And he said, you know, he started crying. He said, that stuff is crazy and wrong. And he said, when I was doing it, I didn't even think about it. But now, because I'm shut mm -hmm. down in the pandemic, that I get a chance to look how, what we have um, monetized even mm -hmm. a blessing because this is America you know everything is turned to a business you know everything is about profit and bottom lines and you know getting more that you put in into it basically that's capitalism people don't realize that capitalism is your goal is to get more out of it right than you really put in it it is that's it you know we want to it's that's it <laughs> You know, we want to make, you know, now I read this, I mean, I looked at this article, not article, this documentary on Netflix about um, how we used to grow our crops. You know, it was more small farms, and then the universities took over, and they made agriculture a business. So now you only grow soy, you grow, your this, this huge farm goes corn, this huge, and this guy was saying, this, not, this professor at one of the agriculture uh, land-grant universities in the Midwest. He said that was the worst thing that we could have done is made so many people unhealthy because all this stuff is like kind of mono instead of hetero seeds. And so he said when wheat was grown in Egypt, you didn't have to grow. You didn't have to just go and harvest the wheat. It came in all different types of hybrid of wheat. And so you got, you got this multi-grain bread. He said now we grow like a mono wheat. And so you have to put a whole different types of wheats and other products together to make a, like a multi-grain bread. But they had multi-grain because when they grew it, they didn't try to make mm -hmm. it all the same. It just came up. And he said, so that's created a lot of health problems and economic problems in our country. Because now people, you're, if you're eating wheat bread, you're still not really eating wheat bread, so your, your body is craving more. I didn't get enough of it. She started just eating and eating and eating. And so we have all this obesity. So now the, the point I'm trying to make is that 
what you did with what you've been trained and what your spirit has been trained to do in this country, we have to monetize everything, you know, even art, even religion, even, you know, uh, everything is monetized. You know, even family values is monetized. You know, that's how the Republican Party market their party. They are the, they are the, um, the family values party, <laughs> which is, is, so they can get more people to buy into what they are selling because they, uh, uh, they're opposed to other parties and other people. We are more family values, and so we, as in this world, especially in this country, we need to unpack this capitalism, everything has to make money. I got to get more out of it than I put in it. It goes back to this of sowing and reaping. The Bible says you reap what you sow. You can't plant corn and right. tomatoes. And and that's why I'm thinking I am just based on what you just said. You think about that. Think about the preacher who he had a pause in the norm which was pimping God. And so he had an opportunity to reflect, to realize that that's what was happening. And he came out on the other side of that and spoke it, right? But now you have, you got to think, you go and you look at what's happening in California, where they fought the governor to open up churches during a pandemic. So now you have all these churches in California that are going to open every Sunday and people are going to be singing super spreader events, right? So during the time of the pause, they didn't learn anything. They want to go back to capitalism. They want to go back to you know, passing that, that tray around, right? So I'm going back to before the mask and after the mask. So all these people who are trying to go back to where we were before the mask, they may learn the hard way. That wasn't the purpose of the pause with the mask. The purpose of that was supposed so you could reflect and not do the same things we were doing, which really wasn't working for everybody. It was working for a select few in this capitalistic society, but not the masses. Yes. Yes. Yeah. And, 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 and to me, I think one of the things that we talked about, and, you know, and I still believe that we can get solutions. You know, it's it's not before we got so capitalistic, we lived, you know, in a communal type of thing. If I if we were living in I remember when I grew up, if my mother didn't have any sugar, she just told me to go to my my grandmother lived next door or somebody and just asked them to bring go over there and, and give and give me a cup of sugar. You know, she didn't have to go online and order some sugar from Amazon or get in a car and drive to the store, get some money. That we need to get back to everything is not about money and making money or spending money. And and I hope we get there before we we wish mm-hmm. we mm-hmm. <laughs> And I think that for us not in since we're kinda we're, we're talking about it. At least we're, we're talking about it. We're putting it out there. We need to move in that direction, move in the direction of using the information that we know to learn how to you know, plant food and you get all the things that we need in case it moves in the, I mean, it's going to be a different direction. It doesn't mean it's going to be a bad direction, but it moves in a different direction where we don't go backwards. We go forward and going forward is kind of going back to the land but not going back to where uh, some people were winners and some people were losers. And, and we go back to the land, it would solve a lot of problems because our, be- our problems with the um, climate is that we have destroyed the land. We have abused the land. We have, you know, I forgot how many trees are dug up, cut down every day to build our cities and build more buildings. Um we go back to the land, that means that probably the obesity problem and the health problem would change because now we're eating apples that's not perfectly round and no worms and, you know, and we eat cucumbers that don't. When I grew up, cucumbers had those, you picked them out, they had those prickly things on them. Now mm-hmm. you buy them, they are smooth and perfect. <laughs> you know, you know when, I, when I grew up, um, 
every pear and every apple wasn't perfectly pear shaped and every apple apples had flaws, but they were still good, you know, and peaches they you know, like I remember I had a, a Granny Smith in my basket on the table and that Granny Smith was there for months and never oh. decayed, never rotted. Wow. <laughs> I remember one time I was in a meeting at um at Bowie State it was an agriculture some department I can't think of the, the lab it's a huge lab here it's a federal lab and they were there and they were excited that they were the lab that when you go to McDonald's and get those apples um, mm-hmm. you know, the kids and kids meals and apples in a little bag they were applauding themselves because they were the company I mean the the lab that came up so when you cut the when you cut the apples, they don't become brown. Yeah. You have to cut the apples, <laughs> and I was thinking, is that something? So, what are you giving the kids? The right, where you're doing some type of natural. preservative on there, some chemical <laughs> for a healthy apple. So, so you. you <laughs> so I was thinking. I said, okay, maybe I'm thinking wrong because. Why would you be applauding yourself for adding chemicals to, to babies' diets? So you think you're doing good by not giving them French fries? You're giving them apples that don't. And do that's capitalism. Because <laughs> yeah, mm-hmm. they can last long, you can sell more of them. I remember one time I was dating this guy. He was from Jamaica, and um, and so we were somewhere. I went to some restaurant or something, and um, and so I ordered like a drink, like coffee or tea, and ask for either sweet and low or some type of artificial sweet and saccharin or whatever. It's a long time ago. And he said, why are you putting that in your drink? And I said, what do you mean? He said, why won't you just add sugar? And I said, you know, it's more calories. He said, let me tell you this. Y'all are so crazy in this country because um, your body knows what to do with sugar because it's a chemical that the body knows because the body actually makes sugar. So the body comes into contact with sugar. They know how to break it down to its natural ingredients. And what they, the body would know what to use and then what to excrete. But when you add an artificial sweetener, your body don't know what that is. And it spends time trying to figure Mm -hmm. that out. And that's what causes a lot of disease. So be careful of thinking that you're saving calories. Think about saving your body from trying to figure out all these chemicals Mm -hmm. that you put in. And I remember him saying that. And I was thinking, they, that's what they need to teach in school again. Well, maybe we don't have, like you said, the school's not going to do it. Is teach, let's really educate children, um, you know, body, mind, and soul, you know, so they can leave a whole human being in our homes, in our schools, in our organizations. Because ever since then, you know, I always read the back of the ingredients on everything that I eat, basically. You know, not that I'm um, strict on everything, but mm-hmm. what is this? You know, <laughs> why not be putting that in my body? But if we go back to fixing our own foods, I mean, growing our own food, preparing our own food, to be a game changer for the our bodies. And you know, you think about you know what he said to you many years earlier. Many years later, you find out that those artificial sweeteners can cause cancer, right? You know, so and you got to think mm-hmm. with capitalism. Well, cancer pays, baby. I mean, big time, big time. Oh my goodness! <laughs> yes, oh, yes, I can remember yes, sitting in there yes. and I was just counting the chairs, and I'm like, "This is ten thousand dollars a whop. Ten thousand dollars a person who sits in this chair. That's what these people are getting. Do you know how many jobs would be lost if they cured cancer?" Lots of jobs would be lost. So that's capitalism. The thing about, you know, I guess bringing it full circle is that Super Bowl Sunday is today. So for those who listen to this years from now, because there's going to be in more Super Bowls, I'm sure, to really focus in on how you're spending your time. Is that how you really want to spend your time? you really want to spend your time watching that football game or the halftime show? Maybe you do. But, you know, some of the things that Diane and I talked about, could you better spend your time learning about how to grow your own food or be healthy or stay healthy? So, you know, kind of bringing it full circle back to 
using your time wisely because we all have the same amount of time each day, 24 hours. As, uh, as they say in surveys, when we have a job or work or go to a conference, <laughs> we're everything we said. So. <laughs> well, you know, Diane, it's a lot easier when you're on uh, Zoom or WebEx to formulate your responses. So I found that out. So when other people are talking, then you can formulate your response because people can't see you formulating it. They can't see your facial expressions. You know, So you can't even get away with that kind of ditto anymore. You have to use these fancy words <laughs> during the new way of meeting. <laughs> yes, that's true. <laughs> that's true. But I still agree strongly. I think that um, that time waits for no one, that don't waste your time because what you have to offer, it may be, seems insignificant to you, but it can be so significant to someone else. So um, just be careful with your time. Um, and also too, it's just, it goes by so quickly. I told you one day I was 25 and in a few weeks I'll be 65. And I'm so. I think that what you just said, Diane, somebody down the road will need to hear just that. They will listen to this whole thing to the end, and they needed to hear just that. And that could be like the Diane quote that they remember. Amen. Amen. I agree. Wow. But Marie, you know, I'll tell you this. I was afraid because I didn't. I thought we had run our stuff to Girl, talk about. We'll just say a, a subject a week. We'll just come up with a subject a week, and I don't think we have. I don't think we have, Diane. <laughs> well, I was concerned. I was going to call you and say maybe we should do it because what, what are we going to talk about? But thank you so much. And then I was thinking, uh, one thing, Adrian, when she was on, she texted me and she said, "Diane, did I talk too much?" And I said, no, I really enjoyed it, you know, because that means I didn't have to talk and think of anything. But she said, well, I'm going to do you like my grandmother used to do me when I used to go visit her. The next time I'll let you talk. <laughs> that's what she said grandmother used to say. So I, said, I, you said, know, I thought Adrian did a fantastic <laughs> job. And I'm not sure how old she is. Um, but when I listened to her, that's when I thought, oh, she's so smart. She's very intelligent, you know, and that's probably who she is. That's who she is. It sounds like that's who she is. Um, yeah. And that's when I came to the conclusion, I'm just going to be myself, right? So got to just be myself. So mm -hmm. that's when I came to that conclusion, honestly, was that. Well, you know, when she, one thing, I, when I, I had not seen her in years and years and years, and, I, and we, kind of hooked back up a few years ago and when I met her I'm thinking wow she's intelligent but also one of the things she taught me what she introduced me to is so many things that I was not aware of and I think it's it's an age diff she's not she's probably 15 years my junior 15 or 20 years my junior and so um I always enjoyed talking to her because her outlook is different you know when you're younger you um you don't see things the same way, and so I like that sometimes because it makes me you know stop and pause or stop and say oh okay I never thought about that because she <laughs> she would say stuff to me and I was like oh okay mm -hmm. you know mm -hmm. that's the way the young people think and that's kind of what that's kind of what I heard it was a different it was a slightly yeah. different generational conversation than for me and it was like oh that's interesting that's really interesting yeah you know very that's what I always say. Yeah, that's kind of, and I was thinking, I'm glad she came into my life because she almost like shakes me up. You mm -hmm. know, like, just okay. like, just like Della too. Della's a, it's another way okay. of thinking. You know, it's like, it's, yeah. I listen to them and I think, oh, the future is yes. going to be so super bright. I mean, it's going to be 
finding bright. These are very yeah. well-spoken, intelligent women, you know, so a lot of hope. Yes. Yes. Well, you know, I've just thought about Marie. That's what I was thinking about. I, well, I had asked a young man to come on. He's 20 something. He's going to finish high. I had asked him to come on because he, he follows me on, well, he used to go to church with us, but he's busy. Um, but he follows me on Instagram and LinkedIn, and he calls me sometimes just to run stuff by me. And he's he's a senior at Howard, so I, he's not 25, because he, he, he told, when I asked him to come on, he said he was busy, but he's a 4.0 student. But he told me something that was interesting. He said he had to leave college for like a year or two, because he, for finances, and and so he was telling me that. And I said, well, you know what? Don't worry about it because when you're my age, it wasn't, it doesn't even matter. And I said, you know what? The bad thing about it, I was telling him, the bad thing about it, I thought you were like on some internship or, you know, I, you know, when I didn't see him, I just thought he was on some internship. When I didn't see him on campus, or see him at the chapel. But I was thinking that I want him to talk because his outlook is different too. Mm-hmm. You, know? <laughs> you know, he's 20 something years old. And he, um, he's a 4.0 student. You know, he had to drop out of college. But something in his spirit yes. that he didn't give up. Thank you, God. That he didn't go home and, yes, and say, you know, we've been there when we were in school. We struggled financially. And we didn't give up either. But to me, and I, that's why I will always tell him, I might not see him and he would do great things. The reason that we did not give up because we couldn't. It's all, it's mm-hmm. all, it's, I know the plans that I have for you, the plans to prosper you. And so he couldn't. It's not like he'd go home and say, oh, I'm just going to work, you know, at Walmart or get a job, you know, whatever industry was his, where he lives. There's something inside of some of us not, that you can't. Right. And I think about, you know, think about how hard it was for us financially <laughs> imagine how hard it is for this generation mm-hmm. with the cost of college for them. Right. Oh, it's like $30,000, $40,000 a year. So that, that's a, that's a know, big for, hill to climb. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, that's a huge hill. So I told him, I want him to come on though, because I want that. I'm like you, I'm excited about the future of this next generation because what, one of the things I liked about them, they're not taking no BS. They're looking at stuff as it really is and say, this is what's really happening, but not in not out of love, but not out of trying to hurt you. But this is how it's really happened, and this is what I think. Not let me apologize, let me shrink so you can feel comfortable. I'm not doing that. I'm not going to even think. I don't know how to do that. And so uh, I think Right, and I think somewhere I along the lines, they came to realize all the lies that were told. You know, and and they, you know, like shaking their head, like, why don't yeah. you guys perpetrate and perpetuate and, and you know, keep these lies going? You know, no, that's not how the country was started. You know, no, you know, that is just is refreshing. We grew up with encyclopedias, Diane, and other people's houses because we couldn't afford to have a encyclopedia set of encyclopedias at our house. That's how we grew up. (laughs) I'll never forget the Downings have encyclopedias, and I thought, I mean, I would go over there and look at the encyclopedia. It was like, oh my gosh, this the wealth of information in this book, and then there are like twenty of them. (laughs) Black history and, and American history that we've never even had privy to every day, all day. We have, thank God for social media and the in the World Wide Web. It's a just a wonderful thing when you can go to you go to the Library of Congress right from your phone or from your laptop. And we'll go back iPad. to how you spend your time. So you can spend your time, you know, watching something on Amen. YouTube of somebody else creating a YouTube channel. Or you can create your own, or you can go to the Library of Congress 
you, I mean, it's so much more information out there for everybody. So just spend their time really wisely um, and looking towards the future. But one great thing, I think this can be our uh, our benediction that you and I on Sunday at four o'clock decided to spend our time <laughs> and allow cousins to drop knowledge and leave this digital voice history for the for the uh, for now and for the future. And so, thank God, we I don't know which episode we're on now. But, <laughs> It's the kids that we're doing the damn thing. You know, like- yes, and so this concludes episode 18 of Cousins Drop Knowledge. Wow. See you wow. next time.